Buenos días a todos. Os saludo de parte del Consejo de la Iglesia Cristiana Presbiteriana en Toledo, España, en el nombre del Señor Jesucristo. Good morning. I bring you greetings in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. On behalf of the session and the families of the Christian Presbyterian Church of Toledo, Spain, we bring you special greetings. Uh, it is a great joy to be back with you after all these years. As, as Mickey mentioned, it's been uh, over 10 years now that uh, you have been faithfully praying for and supporting our family and the work in Toledo, Spain. And it is a great joy to say that uh, the Lord has been good. Uh, we have now had four years of Sunday morning, Sunday evening worship services every Sunday. Had a few months in the pandemic where it was just me and an elder in the church, but everyone else was joining in by YouTube. But the Lord is good. He is bringing people to the church. He is saving souls. People who have spent a lifetime in atheism, in rebellion, in idolatry. We bring them to the church to hear the good word preached. And that's only possible by the grace of God and through your prayers and through all your faithful support. So I thank you. I also thank you for sending us a few years ago, your youth and some uh, helpers to help us with a vacation Bible school. And I pray that it won't be the only time uh, that perhaps fairly soon you can gather together another team to send to us and help us reach the youth in our city. So I thank you. Um, <clears throat> this morning, we have a passage continuing the series from Proverbs. Um, I, am a, I, I love Lectio Continua. I love preaching through the books of the Bible. Uh, in God's providence, our first series that we did in Toledo was the book of John. It was about 80 sermons, and I just finished the book of Genesis in about the same. So uh, when uh, your pastor asked me if I would continue his series, I said, sure. Then he told me the topic. I can make that work. I can make it work. So this morning we will be looking at wrath and anger. But before we do so, why don't we pray and read the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time to gather together under your word. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our minds, that we may hear your word, that you may Work it into our heart. Sanctify us, Lord, that we may grow in faith and fear of you. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. I invite you to stand for the reading of the word of our Lord. And we're going to start in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29, and we're going to read through verse 1 of chapter 15. This is the word of the Lord. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has hasty temper exalts folly. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. The wicked is overthrown through his evil doing, but the righteous finds refuge in his death. Wisdom rests in the heart of a man of understanding, but it makes itself known even in the midst of fools. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. 
A servant who deals wisely has the king's favor, but his wrath falls on one who acts shamefully. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. It's the word of our Lord. You may be seated. So as we have read and seen uh, this morning, we're taking up the topic of wrath and anger. Obviously not the typical passage for a missionary visit, but as you'll see, it is a topic, it is a sin which is universal. It is a sin which leads people down the road to even greater sins, because all of us know people who fly off the handle now and then, no? People who cannot control their anger can't control their emotions, people who explode on a moment's notice. And it is considered a deadly sin because when wrathful thoughts grow in your heart, they rapidly turn to wrathful words coming out of your mouth, which then turn to wrathful actions on behalf of your hands. Wrath is universal to fallen humanity. A few years ago, I asked a friend of mine in uh, to explain to me what the, what the average person in Toledo believes about God. And obviously Spain is 75% Roman Catholic, also 55% atheist, but that's a different story. <clears throat> and when we think of the Roman Catholicism in Spain, it's very medieval. It's much closer to what Luther and Calvin saw in the 16th century than what you may see here in Bartow, Florida. So obviously I wanted to know what the people actually believe. And my friend began telling me that in many Spanish families, especially for the older generations, the fathers are often full of wrath. The fathers are the distant father figure, very wrathful and angry. And with their anger, with their short tempers, they will never say yes to the petitions of their children. Therefore, if, if you are a child and you want something, you, you don't go to your dad, you go to your mama. She loves you. She will listen to you. She will take your petition, your request to your father to get what you want. And my friend proceeded to tell me that for most Spaniards, most Spaniards see God as uh, the Old Testament God of wrath. He is distant. He is angry. But at the same time, they see Mary as their loving mother. If you want something from God, then, well, you go to Mary, the mother. She will whisper your request into the ears of Jesus, and He will take it to the Father and get it for you. That for most Roman Catholics in Spain, without Mary interceding for them and pacifying the wrath of God, God will never answer your prayer. Well, as is obvious looking at the Bible, there are many problems with this interpretation. But at the same time, I've heard this explanation multiple times, including from somebody who teaches the catechism class at the Catholic Church. For this reason, and for our own personal struggles with wrath, and for the misunderstanding, the great misunderstandings about the biblical doctrine of the wrath of God, it is important to look at this passage in Proverbs and to study what is wrath and what are the solutions. 
And to do so this morning, we'll look at wrath in four parts. First, we'll look at sinful and human wrath. And second, we will look at righteous and divine wrath. And third, we'll see some solutions for the human wrath. And finally, we will see that as Romans chapter 5 says, we'll conclude looking at how we are saved from the wrath of God. To begin, however, we need to see and to understand the sinful human wrath. And we can all see that the world is full of sinful wrath and anger, full of people who can't control their tempers. A few weeks ago, we had to go to Madrid uh, to renew the, uh, my son's passport. And so we go up to the embassy district of Madrid. And you know, Madrid, it's only an hour from Toledo, two hours on a weekday with traffic. It's a huge city. You know, Miami, what, maybe a million people in the metropolitan area, Orlando, Tampa, other big cities. Well, Madrid, in the, met- in the main area of Madrid, it's four million people. And in the metropolitan area, it's about seven million. It's a big city. And as expected, the traffic is terrible. And when you enter into a, and they don't have stoplights, they have roundabouts. And so you enter in a five-lane roundabout, five lanes going in from five different directions. So we have 25 lanes coming together in a big roundabout. If you, I mean, you have to drive aggressively or you don't leave. You don't go anywhere. You know, my New York blood comes out of me sometimes. It's the only way to get around these roundabouts and live. But obviously, some people drive too aggressively. They, they, they drive full of wrath. And on the way to the embassy, we saw two cars try to take the same lane at the same time and try to, you know, cut one another off. They kept cutting one another off for a few blocks and horns blazing and and swear words flying out the windows as they proceeded on their way. Uh, Other times, we, as the news reports all too often, that a, a driver full of wrath and anger begins to use his car as a weapon. Or, or even worse, he pulls out a pistol and seeks vengeance with blood over a minor traffic offense. The curse words, the the violence, are all fruit of a heart full of anger and wrath. And when we see these sad situations, all the more true ring the words that we have read in verse 29. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Later in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 22, we read, A man full of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. This is the problem. This is the reason that is a deadly sin. Wrath leads to more sins. If you can't control your temper... You are going down a one-way street that will end up either in the grave or in jail. Or both. How many friendships, how many marriages, how many lives have been ruined because you or another person couldn't control your wrath? All of us have lost friendships because of words shouted hastily and in anger. There are parents who sadly don't talk to their children or don't don't talk to their siblings all because of hateful words or actions that come from wrath. 
that come from sinful words spoken in wrath in the heat of a moment and without ever asking for forgiveness. Human sinful wrath destroys lives, destroys relationships. For that reason, James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20 say, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce a righteousness of God. And what is the root of wrath? Well, it's a sin of envy and pride, no? The sin of envy and pride is almost always the root of wrath. You want something, or you think you deserve something, and you don't have it, so you feel mistreated. And you lash out in anger to get what you want. You prove, verse 30 of our text, a tranquil heart gives life to flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Envy rots the bones because it destroys everything around it. Envy causes wrath to grow in the heart against all those who have what you want. As believers, though, this ought not to be so. Envy and wrath ought not to be in our lives. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Or as we read in James, humble, as we read in James, humble yourself before the Lord and He will exalt you. The human wrath, therefore, is almost always sin. And I say almost always because there is a type of wrath that is just and righteous. That is the wrath of God. God is holy. He is just. He is not like us sinners. He is perfect and never sins. If we have wrath for things that God has wrath for, if we have wrath for reasons just and holy, then and only then is our wrath not a sin. But as we, we always must remember the words of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Jesus, he flipped the tables of the, the, the merchants and the money changers in the temper, temple. He, he drove them out with a, with a whip. Psalm 7 verse 11 says, God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. He feels righteous indignation every day against all unrighteousness, against all sin. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 proclaims, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress, suppress the truth. God is the great and holy judge. He cannot allow sin and righteous, unrighteousness to be in His holy presence. 
He will by no means clear the guilty. And the wages of sin, the wages of wrath, are death. God must judge. He must punish every sin and every sinner. His righteousness demands it. His holiness demands it. We have now seen the sinful wrath of man and the holy and just wrath of God. Now we have some applications for us. And first, we we start with our side. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you are in Christ Jesus, if the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you, then the sinful wrath should never be a part of your life. The sinful wrath is what, what marks your old life. Your life without Christ. The life before Christ. The life full of the works of the flesh, which are identified right before the fruit of the Spirit. The fr- life full of uh, works of the flesh. That's jealousy, enmity, strife, fits of anger. These are some of many works of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is peace, is joy, is patience, is kindness. And as we have seen, wrath, if it, is a, if it is a righteous wrath, it is not sin. A holy anger is not bad. But the problem is that because of our sins, because of our sinful nature, it is very difficult to have a pure and holy wrath. For that reason, we read those words that we read, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. And here are the requirements for a holy wrath. For a righteous wrath, for wrath to be righteous, it must not, you must not sin. Therefore, to be angry, to be angry with a new law that allows for more abortions. That's a righteous anger. It is to be angry against something which God declares to be sin. But to physically attack or to bomb an abortion clinic, that too is sin. That is an unrighteous wrath. In 1998, the abortionist uh, Barnett Slepian was murdered in Buffalo, New York, just a few miles from my parents' house. I mean, national news... Killing babies is wrong. And he, Slepian, he's paying for his sins. But the man who killed him is also wrong. He, he broke the sixth commandment. He took the place of God in seeking vengeance on earth. An unrighteous wrath. Romans 12, 19 says, Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it for the wrath of of God for it has written vengeance is mine I will repay says the Lord for this reason we need to be careful 
If your wrath is holy, then it is not sin. But if your wrath and your anger consumes you, if it continues overnight and keeps you up at night, then it is very dangerous. It gives the devil opportunity to attack you and to lead you into sin. We can, we ought, we must be angry for the great sins around us. We, we should be angry about the sins promoted and paid for by our government. But every night before you go to bed, before you fall asleep, you need to make sure that you are right with the Lord. That you are not living in sin. Second, as with all sins, many Christians struggle with the sin of wrath. I would have us raise our hands if you struggle with wrath, but I think all the hands would go up. It is a sin that all of us struggle with as fallen sinners. And many, including many Christians, struggle with the tendency to explode at other people. But Proverbs, once again, gives us some ways to conquer this sin. Verse 30 says, A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. A tranquil heart is a heart full of joy, a heart full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Word of God. It is a heart surrendered to God and surrendered to His Holy Word. Unconfessed anger, however, is often rooted in envy. And envy makes the bones rot. Every parent tells their kids, don't drink sweet tea right before bed. Your teeth will rot. They will fall out. Well, here God tells us that unconfessed anger, a wrathful and envious heart, makes your bones rot. Like the man in the show, uh, Forged in Fire, says after testing the sharpness of a sword, it will kill. It is a sin. It's a sin like a cancer that kills you from the inside out. For that reason, John Owen hit the nail on the head and he, when he said, be killing sin or the sin will be killing you. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught us that the sin of wrath is the same as murder. That before you kill someone with a gun, you kill them with your heart, and then you kill them with your tongue. That all the great external sins start in the heart. They come from the heart. The wrath, wrath is a very deadly and dangerous sin because it is a sin that always grows. And to break, to kill this sin, therefore you must confess it to God and ask for His forgiveness and for His help. For the blood of Jesus to cover it. You must never answer sinful wrath with more wrath. As verse 1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. If you are receiving unjust wrath from another person, then respond with soft words. Kill them with kindness. Respond with the peace and the love and the joy of Jesus Christ. But if they continue to attack you with your wrath, then, then just leave. 
Just leave. Get out of Dodge. Get out of there. Put distance between you and, and the wrathful person. Or if you feel the wrath growing and bubbling up inside of you, just run. Leave the situation. Leave the area like your location, like real estate is key to conquering that sin. You will still have to deal with the situation, but if you can't respond peacefully, then you need to work on your heart first. You need to be right with the Lord before you can be right with your neighbor. And never, never discipline your children or others while you are still angry. Let your anger subside before you return. Pray to God. Read His holy word. Seek His wisdom and His peace in all things. Because in the end, being right with the Lord is fundamental. It is fundamental because God is righteous and because He has a holy wrath. God will judge and punish every sin. And there are only two options. There are only two options. You can can receive the wrath of God and pay for your sins in hell for all of eternity. Or you can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and receive Him as Lord and Savior. That by faith, by faith alone, by grace alone, Christ Jesus took upon Himself your sins and gave you His righteousness. There are no other ways. There is no third option. There are only two. For that reason, it is important to talk about the holy wrath of God. It is important because it shows us the great need to believe in Jesus. That without a Savior, you will be lost and burn for all eternity. Today, though, there is a great tendency to only speak of the love of God. A few years ago, a very confused and popular pastor wrote the book, Love Wins. Don't buy it. Please don't buy it. But basically, he said that God is love. And that's, that's true. God is love. But he said, because God is love, love wins. Therefore, God will save everyone. That for the love of God, God will not condemn a single person. You don't need to have faith. You don't need to believe in Jesus. Love wins. God wins. Well, God is love. That's true. God is merciful. That is true. But at the same time, God is holy. He is just. He will by no means clear the guilty. The error of this book and of universalism is the denial of the holy wrath of God. It is the denial of His holy justice and righteousness. We see, however, the correct balance of these attributes of God in John 3.16 in that beloved passage, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not die but have eternal life. And we see the truth repeated in Romans 5, verses 8 and 9. But God shows His love for us that while we were, were still sinners... Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him 
from the wrath of God. God is love. By His great love and mercy, all who believe in Jesus are justified and saved from His holy wrath. For those who don't believe in Jesus, those who are not justified by His shed blood won't be saved from His wrath. God will pour out His wrath on them with the second death and with the eternity in the lake of fire in hell forever. And although the world doesn't want to admit it, hell is a very real and very dreadful place. It's a place of judgment for all who reject the Lord Jesus Christ. In the 18th century, Jonathan Edwards was not afraid to preach on the wrath of God. In his famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, Edwards used Scripture to show that all sinners deserve hell for their sins and that God could send the sinner to hell in any moment because the wages of sin is death. And as he was preaching, many people filled with the fear of hell began to cry and wail. They were like the Philippian jailer. The jailer, filled with the fear of God, came to Paul and to Silas, trembling and crying out, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved from the wrath of a holy God? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. In that famous sermon of Edwards, many people from his congregation bowed the knee before the Lord Jesus Christ. Edwards spoke the truth about the wrath of God and of hell waiting for those who die in their sins. And God used it to bring about revival. He brought revival because God is merciful. Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7 says, The Lord, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. In Romans chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, they say the same thing. They say, Oh, do you presume on the riches and the kindness of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Although the sinner doesn't want to hear it, doesn't want to admit it, hell is waiting for him or her. Being a good person who does good things in the end will do nothing to save your soul, to save you from the wrath of God. The road to hell is paved with good intentions, no? That without faith in Jesus, the sinner will pay for their every sin. Because the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This means that the sinner will receive his judgment. But those who believe in Jesus will live forever. 
But how can a just and holy God forgive sinners like you and me? If you are in Christ, if you believe in Jesus and have received Him by faith, then you are forgiven. You are justified. You are saved from God's wrath because God poured out His holy wrath on your substitute. On the cross, Jesus received all the wrath of God that you and I deserve for our sins. He who had no sin became sin for our sake. Every week in our church in Toledo, we repeat the great promise that we have in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. This is the gospel. This is why Christ came. God forgives you. God justifies you. And God will glorify you because Jesus took your punishment. And this is all by faith alone. By grace alone. By Christ alone. And for the glory of God alone. That in the end, for those who are adopted by God the Father for their faith in Jesus Christ, for those who have received Jesus as Lord and Savior, there is no wrath waiting for you. All the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus for you. Therefore, God is not angry with you. He is not angry with you. He loves you as a father loves his children. He has no wrath stored up for you. Hell does not await you, but rather heaven is awaiting you. Therefore, we do not fear judgment. We do not fear death. Because for us, it will be the day of our salvation. It will be the day of our heavenly homecoming. And with this, we return to my friend and many others like him in Toledo. For them... God is only the God of wrath. He is the Father who will punish everyone. They believe that the, the, these people, they believe that the sacrifice of Christ wasn't sufficient and therefore they need to sacrifice Him again and again with every Mass. But even that isn't enough. That's why they invented purgatory. A fictional place where they can be purified of their sins before being allowed into heaven. For that same reason, they have penitence. They're trying to, you know, they, they, they say they're saved and justified by their baptism, but then when they sin, they lose their salvation. So by penitence, they have to re-earn their salvation, re-earn their favor with God by their justification again. And that's also why they love Mary. They see her as the loving and forgiving mother. They see her as their mediator with God. They kiss her statue. They bow down before golden statues of her as they pass through the streets of the city, falsely believing that she will placate the wrath of God for them. But the Bible clearly says, 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, Christ Jesus, who gave Himself as a ransom for all. Jesus is the way. He is the only way. He is the only truth. He is the only life. 
and he is the only way to God the Father. Mary was a great servant of God, but she was a sinner. But she, like Abraham, believed in the Lord, and it was counted to her as righteousness. And this is the good and the bad news of the gospel. The word of God is a double-edged sword. It cuts to condemn those who die in their sins. But it cuts to save those who believe in Jesus Christ. If you believe in Christ, therefore, know that God poured out his wrath on Jesus in order to forgive you. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. How precious is that flow. You are saved forever from the wrath of God. And if you are saved from his wrath, then you ought not to have wrath for others. You ought to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit, with love, with joy, peace, patience, kindness. May God use us then for his glory and use us as ministers and messengers of his peace. Father God, we thank you that you are just and holy. We confess our sins, Lord. We are sinners. We are justly deserving of your wrath and your punishment. And for that reason, we adore you and praise you and thank you for the great promise that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness only because you poured out your wrath upon the Lord Jesus Christ, our substitute, our Lord and Savior. Lord, we thank you and we praise you that we don't have wrath waiting for us, but rather salvation and heaven. Lord, use us to share this terrifying and yet joyful, glorious message of hope that all who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.